Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast brought to you by Violet Defense. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products or if you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and the experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Defense for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. The Educational AD Podcast also wants to thank Varsity Brands featuring BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank Hometown Ticketing, who helps thousands of schools across the country seamlessly provide convenient digital ticketing options for their communities, families, and fans. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to thank Ephesus Lighting, Gipper, Vital Signs, and Camp Mobile for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Today, we're visiting with uh, truly an old friend, uh, Deep Sid Yu, uh, used to uh, coach for me when we were both at Palmer Trinity down in South Florida. Now she is the Director of Equity and Inclusion, also works in instruction for Global Online Academy out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Deep, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jay, great to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, well, we're excited to hear what's going on and uh, uh, the things that you're doing with uh, your new position. So let's jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school and college, you know, maybe a little sports background and all those steps that led you to your current position with Global Online Academy. All right, sure. I'd love to. So I was born and raised in a town in Ohio called Springfield and I went to a public school there until eighth grade before transitioning to a small, a very small independent school in Dayton, Ohio. And my early athletic journey sort of mirrors that of going from um, community and public school um, sports participation to an independent school. Um, so I started, I think, an early toddler life with YMCA programs, you know, swimming, uh, gymnastics, soccer. And then as I got older, participating in community and school leagues and teams. So got to participate in a number of team sports. Um, so I added basketball, softball, volleyball to that. When I transitioned to the small independent school, um, I focused just on softball and spent a lot of the year focusing on pitching. Um, so I was a pitcher and got to participate in um, softball throughout high school. And then when I moved to college, I went to Bryn Mawr College, which is a women's college outside of Philadelphia. They didn't have 
a softball team. <laughs> so that's actually when my formal uh, participation in athletics um, ended, but then started sort of this lifelong um, yearning to continue participating in, in athletics in some ways. And I think probably transition more towards um, fitness and trying to ensure that I had creative and fun ways to continue to live a fit and, and healthy life. But so much of my experience in athletics then did transfer to my experience in teaching. So after graduating from college, I went to grad school at UPenn to uh, both student teach and also earn my certi certification in teaching. And then I taught in ch two charter schools in Washington, DC, high school English. And then before moving to Miami, uh, where I met you, Jake, and continued to teach um, at Palmer Trinity. Uh, following that, I went back to grad school for ed leadership and had this wonderful opportunity to join the team at GOA at Global Online Academy. They're doing amazing things with um, our, our mission is to reimagine learning to empower students and educators to thrive in a globally networked society. And so I got to join the professional learning team there, working with teachers in schools and just thinking about how um, how we can um, support schools and teachers and, and students and learning um, and, and supporting deeper learning for all kids. Um, so that has been really wonderful. And actually so much of um, our work is inspired, I think, by elements and aspects of coaching um, and how, um, our, how we all learn and grow and experience success. Uh, I always love hearing the stories. And again, I knew a little bit of your background because again, we did work together, but it's always cool to, to hear those various steps that, uh, you know, occur in, in a career. Um, another question that we always ask our guests uh, has to do with this idea of leadership and particularly mentoring. So my question is, uh, who are some of your mentors, uh, maybe family members or teachers, coaches that you had growing up or people that you actually worked with or worked for. The expression I always use is I still hear those voices in my head uh, when I'm talking to a coach or a kid or sometimes a parent. So uh, whose voice do you still hear? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel so fortunate to be in the field of education because both as a student and then as a teacher an educator, I've had the chance to have so many mentors in life and um, many come to mind, but I guess what I'll talk about right now is my earliest teachers and earliest mentors, my parents. Um, and one voice in particular that comes to mind daily is that of my dad's who has encouraged me always to make every encounter a good one. Um, and so he, I think, especially as somebody who moved literally across to the different, to another side of the world at a young age alone, that's a mantra that he's repeated to himself. And so it's been both interesting and inspiring to me to sort of interpret it in, in my own life, both professionally and personally. Um, and so making every encounter a good one, I think as an educator or as a person isn't necessarily um, making everything a superficially pleasant experience, but to remember that we have agency in our lives to, to try to promote good and work towards good. So it's been um, hugely helpful to me in my personal and professional relationships, but also um, in trying to live a life of purpose, I think, to try to remember to make every encounter a good one. Oh, again, you can't 
uh, I think overstate the influence that our parents uh, have on us, uh, you know, both good and, and sometimes not so good, but uh, uh, great to hear uh, that uh, how your father's influence uh, has kept going in you. Let's talk real quickly. Again, you're not an athletic director and, and you're not specifically involved in, in coaching right now, but I still remember you really doing a great job uh, for us at Palmer Trinity with that middle school cross country program. I, I would say at the time you came on, and there were some other coaches there too, um, that the middle school program in particular was uh, kind of on life support. And uh, a couple of years later, it was thriving under your leadership. So maybe share a little bit with our listeners how you approach that task and, and how you turned it into such a successful middle school athletic program. Uh, well, well, thanks. I, I, I think I was fortunate to get to participate in the, the team that worked uh, with the cross country, with, with the cross country team. Um, I think uh, one thing that was really apparent to me right from the get-go is that these kids have far more skill and, and talent than I do. And that's, that's kind of helpful to, to, to know as a coach, because it's not about necessarily imparting my own knowledge um, necessarily, which is sometimes a, the sort of mindset we take in the classroom, which I think needs to change too. But um, thinking about who each kid is and what they bring and um, how they're developing and how they're growing. And so I think that was one um, sort of lens that was that was sort of helpful in bringing to a sport like cross country where where kids sort of are um, developing um, individually, but also as a team. Um, I was also at that time a novice coach. I think I volunteered um, to, to help out um, however I could. And I got a, the great opportunity to learn from other coaches. And I think at that time where I was primarily coming from just a, a teacher role, it was really helpful to, to be reminded of, of coaching practices that um, maybe feel different, but should also be in the classroom too. And so um, Palmer Trinity had wonderful coaches who also served as mentors to help out um, in, in the logistics of thinking about, well, what does the day-to-day -day practice look like, you know, starting from, from the very beginning um, and the entry points of what do I need to know? What do I need to be able to plan? But also from there, um, what does it mean to truly encourage and support an athlete in their development? Um, and, and, and even those who are experiencing so much success, how do I continue to push them and how do I continue to support them? Um, it was all just a wonderful learning experience, I think, for me. Well, it's, it's, I'm glad you feel that way. All I have are just great memories from those years um, with you guys on the staff. Let's go and talk a little bit about your current position at uh, Global Online Academy. As we said, you're the Director of Equity and Inclusion, and that's certainly a hot topic uh, these days, as it should be. So uh, what are some of the things that you do for Global? What are some of the things that you uh, plan on doing in the future? Yeah, so um, this this role is new, although like you said, it's um, uh, it it's, has been important for way longer than this role has existed. <clears throat> so some of the work that I've been doing has just been to elevate um, it's, it's, it as a priority in what we do. 
and to bring intention to all of the hopes that we have and ensuring that we are developing and designing or sometimes redesigning systems, structures, practices in the interest of equity and equitable experiences um, and outcomes for, for all kids. And so some of that at this point has just been working with schools and, and educators and, and thinking about what that means. So how do we design for, for equity? What does that even what does that even mean? And I think it's been a polarizing top, there's been polarizing debates surrounding the conversation. I think it's important to distinguish the two. I think the polarization is oftentimes multiple conversations happening at the same time. And what we're talking about is really ensuring that we are focusing on each and every kid and, and, um, and their successes um, and ensuring that we are providing um, equitable experiences and outcomes for them. Um, so one of, one of the ways that we've um, engaged in that, and I think one of the things that I've recently written about, Jake, and we connected about is sort of those entry points. And, and one of those is disrupting neutrality, just this idea that, um, and I think this is true on, um, in the playing fields and, and courts and locker rooms and all of the things, is that we have to bring intention to the environments that we create, the, cult the cultures and communities that we're cultivating, um, to ensure that uh, we are fostering belonging and we are cultivating a culture of belonging um, for all kids. You know, um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, yeah, most of our listeners are athletic directors and coaches, and we, we hear you know these terms, you know, being intentional, um, you know, serving all kids, all populations. Um, what are a couple of things that you can tell? you know, the athletic director or the coach that's listening right now, what are some things, some techniques that they can do, you know, today, tomorrow, you know, this week with their kids or with an athletic director, with their coaching staff to do a better job in this area? You got some advice? Yeah. So I can, I can talk a little bit about the, the three steps that I wrote about and apply it a little bit more directly to this audience. The first is I think we need to all sort of start with ourselves. Um, and what that means is just a sort of recognition and reminder that who we are influences and informs what we do. Um, and so who we are is comprised of so many things. Sometimes it's our identities, it's where we grew up, it's how we grew up, how we've experienced life around us. And that has informed our lenses and our perspectives. Um, and ultimately what that can result in is that we have points of focus and we have points that are in our margins. Um, and we want to do a better job of ensuring that we are um, aware of the margins of our lenses. And so an example of that um, might be that I, for example, have rarely, if ever, um, had to consider on a daily basis, especially what it's like to have a family member who is actively serving in the military. Um, and, and because of that, and I've got friends and, and siblings of friends who have served, and so I've got some, you know, sort of peripheral understanding or awareness or sympathy, um, but I've not experienced it myself, so I don't know what that feels like on a day-to-day. -day. I have, on the other hand, have had experiences where I've had to worry for friends and family members um, who have um, been the victims of hate crimes um, as a result of what they look like, so some of them you know, have brown skin and have beards and some wear turbans and they've, they've, they've experienced verbal harassment or physical violence 
based on what they look like. And so that's one experience I've had. It's another, that's another experience I've not had. And um, these aren't always deficit-based. Of course, these are, these are identities or experiences that we've had that, res that give us points of connection and community to, um, you know, our, our being a child of immigrants, for example, connects me with others who are children of immigrants in some ways, some natural ways. Um, but because of that, as an, as an educator, as a coach, there are going to be kids and, and students and players who show up who are living a different lived experience. And that's always going to be true. Sometimes these identifiers and experiences aren't as physically apparent, of course, but we all have different lived experiences. And sometimes starting with self is just this reminder that, hey, there are things that I'm not thinking about. There are experiences these kids are having that I'm not aware of. And um, being intentional about expanding our lenses, expanding our perspectives um, so that we're not accidentally neglecting some or um, erasing some um, experiences and identities for kids. Um, so I think that's one sort of first tangible step is, is to just have that reflective moment and reminder to ourselves. Uh, the second um, that I've written about and we've talked about is um, to prepare for the ongoing. And so the concept of team building here, I think is pretty um, relevant, um, especially for for this audience, because we've all experienced or, or know that icebreakers or motivational speeches aren't just one-time things that will dramatically and forever change, you know, the culture of our teams. Um, but it's ongoing work and it requires intention. Um, and so I think on teams, or I think one, one way that coaches do this really well is that every year or every season, you have a new roster um, and you're paying attention to each kid and what they're bringing and not just the skills that are going to be a part of the team, but how the team will function well. Um, what are the ages? Who are the, who are the players? And how will they get to work well together? And so it's really intentional work that coaches do. Um, and I think that's sort of the same when you're thinking about uh, how to be a more equitable practitioner is thinking about, well, what are some of the ways in which some kids are, are joining the team and there are structures and systems that haven't been designed to support them. And what can we do to, to, to mitigate those and ensure that there's a little bit more of an equitable entry point. Um, and so in sports, as we know, there's been barriers to entry for participation. There's been outdated uniform restrictions, you know, so many things um, that some of, sometimes there are one-off fixes and sometimes they're ongoing efforts. And so um, I think that's another kind of point to remember is that it can be ongoing. Um, and a quick example I'll share of that is when my brother was playing sports in, in Ohio, he used to wear um, a patka, which is a, a head covering, a religious head covering. And, and during certain games, the ref would say, oh, you can't play because of that. And so over time we had to get, you know, sort of the permission from the state that this is actually allowed. It's a religious accommodation, it's first amendment protected, so on and so forth. And then it took years for that to sort of become a national right. um, change and, and something that kids didn't, don't have to experience as much anymore. Um, so sometimes those ongoing, the, the reminder that this work isn't always just a one-off, it's ongoing can be helpful. And then 
I can talk about the third and final one, um, which sure. is mm -hmm. to prioritize impact. And I think this is mostly that reminder or permission grant um, or giving to ourselves. Um, sometimes I think when the goal is to eradicate all inequities or to change the world for good, that can be really overwhelming. Um, it can cause us to want to give up or wait for everything to be figured out before we even get started. And I think sometimes that's the pressure of the moment um, in wanting to make sure that we do everything perfectly. Um, but I think a reminder again that we're, we're doing this for our kids and for each kid, um, and we make this who we are and what we do regularly, then we are maximizing the impact that we can have. Um, so uh, I think ultimately, like for the example of belonging, when a kid shows up to practice on the first day, you know, we've all had the experience of showing up, entering or engaging with an environment where we either feel like we really belong or we feel like we don't belong. And those cues that have triggered that for us can be subtle or overt. And I think for, for us, for coaches, for athletic directors, we're just thinking about what are, what are the things that we have in place? How can we ensure that we are promoting a greater culture of belonging and just paying attention to who each kid is and how they might um, experience the space. So the follow-up to that story about my brother, um, you know, having to sit out a couple of games, my favorite follow-up to that is the response of his teammates who were also pretty frustrated and, and distraught and confused about why their teammate had to sit something out in a way for something that they felt was unfair. And while the outcome um, wasn't always great, you know, my brother had experienced embarrassment and, and all sorts of other feelings. He did have the support of his, his teammates and his coach. And so I think, you know, examples like that where we're maybe the actions were small, but the impact was, was huge. Um, I think is a good reminder for ourselves too. We don't need to fix the world tomorrow, but we can be very intentional in the small things we do. Oh, really appreciate you sharing all three of those tips. Great, great information. Uh, for our listeners, we are visiting with Deep Sid Yu, who is the Director of Equity and Inclusion at the Global Online Academy, Raleigh, North Carolina, a career educator, and also a pretty good coach back in the day. We're going to take a quick break, uh, but we're going to come back after we hear from our podcast sponsor, Violet Defense. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products or if you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and the experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Defense for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. Welcome back to our interview with Deep Sid Hugh, Director of Equity and Inclusion for the Global Online Academy. Deep, um, with the Olympics just wrapping up, and for our listeners, we're recording this on August 11th. So by the time you're listening to it, it's going to be pretty timely information. Uh, with the Olympics just wrapping up, we saw some tremendous, tremendous performances 
And uh, I think we've also seen, thanks to the, the candor and the openness of a number of athletes, a continued discussion on this idea of you know, mental health. Uh, Simone Biles in particular, very candid about some of the challenges that she faced as a world-class athlete. So my question is this, what are some things that, or how can athletic directors and coaches do a better job of finding the balance between say an old school approach of, you gotta be tough, you gotta get back in there versus being aware and sensitive to the challenges that let's say a generation Z student athlete is experiencing. Do you have any advice on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that, well, first of all, the, the courage that it took um, for, for Simone Biles to not only take the action she took, but then to also communicate all that she's experiencing is just profound. And so I think one of one of the recognitions is just how how tough that is as an act, right? So the sort of tough it out um, uh, statement, I think she she has shown how to do that. Um, and I think so sort of uh, that, that resilience and that communication is, is more of an example of toughness. And I wonder if that's one of, uh, you know, I don't know the exact advice, but I wonder if that's one of the ways that we sort of reframe what it means to be a competitive athlete, what it means to be tough and mentally strong. Um, and sometimes that means knowing when what the limit is, um, or or how to navigate that limit, or how to um, sit it out when needed, and I think that the surrounding circumstances are also ones to really pay attention to. I think um, in athletics, but as well as in academics, we're noticing just the number of increasing pressures on on kids um, and how that has impacted things like their sleep, things like their motivation, things like um, their ability to show up and perform at their at their maximum effort all the time which they're doing but but at what cost um, so I think part of it is just reframing our concept of what it means to be tough but also being really intentional about the the circumstances that surround our our athletes these days and ensuring that we are we are more focused on supporting them and less focused on forcing them to comply or to perform to to meet unreasonable standards Gosh, uh, I, I think you hit it right on the head there is, is reframing that whole idea. Uh, I remember vividly as a student athlete 100 years ago uh, and as a young coach and not so young coach, you know, this idea of, you know, when you come to practice, you know, practice is practice and kids don't perform, whether it's the classroom or the athletic fields and courts, you know, in a vacuum. You know, they're, they're bringing their life with uh, them each day. So I think you're absolutely right. You know, being able to reframe that. Great, great stuff. Well, Deep, this has been so cool uh, reconnecting uh, after a couple of years, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you certainly know your way around athletics. Uh, I'm going to challenge you right now to send a new athletic director out on their very first job. But I'm only gonna let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are gonna go in your athletic director toolbox? 
I think I'm going to cheat here a little bit and I don't know if I'm going to answer it spot on, but I'm going to, I'm going to quote my dad um, and, and remind this athletic director to, to make every encounter a good one to remember that you have the agency to, to do that. Um, and the three ways to do it, I think, are to think on every kid, think about every kid, every team, every coach, um, and you'll be great. Well, uh, I don't think it's cheating at all to uh, fall back on uh, the wisdom of the masters. So uh, great, great tool. Thank you so much. If one of our listeners wanted to reach out to you and pick your brain a little bit, what's the best way that they could get in touch with you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, my um, handle is at Deepjit, D-E-E-P-J-Y-O-T. Um, and then also you can visit the www.globalonlineacademy.org and uh, find a way to contact me through our organization. And I'd love to chat. Thanks so much. Deep Sid, you Global Online Academy and pretty darn good cross-country coach. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Jake. For listeners, Remember, the Zoom recordings of these interviews are uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD Podcast.